Welcome to the Mindful Runner Podcast, a show about running and racing, trail and ultra in South Africa. Along the way, we'll be talking training, gear, nutrition, and mindfulness, all in the context of the South African racing scene. I'm your host, Fred Richardson, founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Stay tuned as I do my best to give you all the information and none of the waffle. This episode, I want to talk to you about peak performers, what they are, and how we go about becoming peak performers ourselves. Anders Ericsson is a scientist who's dedicated his life to studying masters of peak performances. And in one particular study at the Berlin University of Arts, teachers were asked to stream students into three different groups. The top group, who were capable of becoming soloists, a middle group, who were likely to become professional musicians, and the bottom group, who would be streamed into becoming music teachers. Now, these are all good musicians. The distinction here is between good, better, and best. Each of these students was 18 years old or slightly younger. The only difference between them was the amount of hours that they had practiced in their lives. The good group, these were the potential music teachers, had practiced an average of 3,420 hours. The better group, and these were our professional musicians, they'd practice an average of 5,301 hours. And the excellent group, those who would go on to become soloists, had practiced an average of 7,410 hours. A further study with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra came up with a strikingly similar result of 7,336 hours of practice before the age of 18. Ericsson has studied many other masters of various disciplines, and there's one simple conclusion. The top performers are those who have spent a lot of time practicing their discipline. But it's not only practice. It's deliberate practice that produces results. Deliberate practice is way more than simple hard work. Erickson has teased out a number of specific characteristics that he ascribes to deliberate practice. You need a well-established field in which the skills needed are clearly understood and the practice techniques to achieve those skills are also clearly understood. Real deliberate practice takes place just outside of the student's comfort zone. It needs to be a little bit uncomfortable for real learning to occur. Deliberate practice always has well-defined goals aimed at improving some aspect of the student's performance. Each practice session has a deliberate intention, and the student must bring their full concentration and pay complete attention to what they're trying to achieve with each practice. An important aspect of deliberate practice is developing these internal representations so that we have a deep understanding in our bodies of how we should be performing and how something should feel if we're doing it correctly. This is why we work so hard on the mind-body connection and on developing an understanding of RPE and paying attention to what our bodies are doing during the act of running. Having built up these internal representations that allow us to understand that we're doing something well means that when we're doing it badly, we're able to autocorrect and get ourselves back to the proper form. And finally, deliberate practice depends on skills being built on skills, which means that you need to get the base skills in place because everything is going to be built on top of your basic foundation. So what does this mean for us as distance runners? Well, fortunately for us, the sport's been around for a long time. And the vast majority of coaches are in agreement on the basic principles of how to produce good running performances. I'm going to lay out some steps now that will help you plan how to get the best out of yourself and how to start producing your own peak performances. So the first thing to do is identify what your own running aspirations are. Do you want to run fast? Do you want to run far? 
Are you a social runner? Do you just want to find peace in a hectic lifestyle? And understand that your aspirations will change in time. So nothing's cast in stone here. Okay, so now you know what you want to get out of your running in the next six months, a year, three years. The next thing to do is to get an understanding of where you are right now in your running. And there's a couple of things to do. First of all, do a movement screen, basic biomechanical assessment to see what your body is doing and how it's moving. Get a running form assessment to understand what changes you can bring about to make you run better, more efficiently. And then, obviously, the short-term stuff is run some time trials. That's things like, what's my max effort at 1,600 meters? What's my best time at 5K? And also, equally important from a running point of view is, what is my best time at a very low heart rate as well? And then the last piece of this puzzle is, look at the events that you want to participate in. And what skills do you need to run in those events? And work out how you're going to develop those particular skills. Right, so now you know what you want to get out of your running, you know where you are physically with your body, and you also know what additional skills you need to develop for the kind of running you want to do. And it's at this point that you set out your plan of action. The plan of action is the overview. And it may cover six months, it may cover three years. If you have Olympic aspirations, it may cover as much as eight or 12 years. But it's the overview to achieve everything you've laid out in the previous steps. Every plan of action must have goals and you must have a way to measure whether you're meeting those goals. You may need to adjust the plan depending on whether you're meeting the goals or not and you may also find that in time your goals change. At this point you have a plan of action and it's being created based on your aspirations, on where you are physically at the moment and what skill set you need to acquire in order to achieve those aspirations. It's from the plan of action that you create the monthly and the weekly training sessions then. As you set up each day's training, understand how that particular day fits into your entire plan of action. Make sure that every single workout has a purpose and have some way of measuring whether you've actually achieved that purpose or not. And achieving true mastery means that you need to get a deeper understanding of exactly how your body is responding to your running and how to correct that when it's going wrong. So during all of your practice, constantly work on your biofeedback, work on your RPE, Get an understanding of what the tools are telling you. So what's your heart rate telling you on your wrist compared to how you are feeling? And how do you correct when you're going wrong? It's only by developing this deeper understanding of your body that you're ultimately going to become a true master at running. In summary then, running is truly one of those things that you will get better at the more you do it. But if you're doing it badly, you're just going to get better at doing it badly. Remember, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Mindful Runner, check us out at mindfulrunner.co.za. On Instagram, you can find us at Mindful Runner. In the meantime, enjoy your running, happy trails, and don't forget to subscribe.